0: Hey everyone, this is Cameron from Renegade Animation on RenegadePopCulture.com. If you like what we do, please give us a like, a follow, a rating, and share us out on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to us. We are everywhere. That way, we can keep doing what we love, and that's talking about the winter 2023 anime season. Again. And now
1: on with the show. What's going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of Renegade Animation on the Renegade Pop Culture Podcast Network. My name is Mike. I'll be your host this evening. Joining me, as always, is the animation guru himself, Cameron. Howdy, howdy. And we've got Teresa. Hey. And we have some unfinished business to take care of. This is part two of our winter 2023 anime season impressions. This time, we've got the fantasy slash isekai shows and the others but the good news is that the others are actually all kind of great but before we get to dessert we got to uh, start with probably the weakest one cameron what am i talking about for the fantasy isekai genre
0: we are going to start with chilling in my 30s after getting fired from the demon king army which is about a man in his 30s who is well, fired from the demon king's army, finds refuge in a small town where he decides to live a carefree and healthy life. Well, we'll get to that in a moment. We also have farming life in another world, which is about a guy who gets izakai'd into a fantasy world and decides that instead of being the proud, brave adventurer, he's going to start his own farming community, the fire hunter, which is being written by the legendary Mamoru Oshi of Ghosts in the Shell, Pat Labor, and Uritse Yatsura, the the original fame, about a world where humans combust in the very sight of fire, and we follow the journey of a young girl taking a loyal dog of a fire hunter back to the kingdom and all that entails. We also have the Tale of Outcasts, which is about a young girl who makes a contract with a powerful demon to be free of her orphan life. Then we go to saving 80,000 gold in another world for my retirement, which is about a, one of the lone female focused of the year so far about a girl who ends up, well, transported to another world, but with the ability to go from her real world to the fantasy world and decides she wants to take the gold from the fantasy world to build up her retirement funds to live a pretty nice life. kind of the Great Snow Sea takes us into a far off world where people live among the Great Snow Sea as we follow the journey. A young man who saves a princess in distress and tries to take her back to her kingdom and see how things unfold with the political climate with this show's world then we have the magical revolution of the reincarnated princess and the genius young lady which is about a genius young lady who shows up in a in an entirely different world but without the ability to use magic and has well gotten wrapped up in a political situation of being connected with a princess who has been dishonored and cut off from her what was going to be her engagement question is chilling in my 30s the quickest an anime has ever given up on its title probably the whole premise is him being like well i didn't like being in that army anyway so i'm going to live a carefree life but 15 minutes in to the freaking first episode, he is then enrolled into a guild. He found out that he has powers, which is far different than what the Demon Lord said, which the Demon Lord said he had none. Then it just turns into another boilerplate fantasy anime. Why not just play with that concept of this guy doing like what we would all want to do if money wasn't a thing? Just create, chill, chill relax and then of course it goes through that whole thing of like the demon lord army is finding out like huh maybe he was not a guy we should have fired because apparently he was the only one who could do a bunch of these things which really makes you think how competent this demon lord army was and it does that thing the 60s star trek did where All the demons look like humans. Listen, Star Trek had an excuse. It was a small budget sci-fi affair from back then. This show has no excuse. Oh, I just find it so boring. And it tries to have a sense of humor about itself. I don't hate the female lead in this show, but she very much comes off as a... Not a character. She's definitely more self-reliant than other female characters. Love interest for our lead in these kind of shows, but they definitely want people to fall in love with her. So they'll buy like whatever merchandise they print on her. Anyway, that's all I have to say about that show.
2: (laughs) I found her obnoxious. I don't want more of her.
0: I did too. Like I say all this, but she's still one of the weakest female protagonists of any of these shows. And golly, that obnoxious archer guy who then falls in love with our lead. Well, not in love, but just like big brother, little brother dynamic. And I don't know, Mike, what do you think?
1: This one lost me pretty early on. I wasn't expecting much from this series just based on how you described it in our group chat. But I thought you were just exaggerating. I didn't realize that within like the first like 15 minutes, they would just completely abandon the premise based on the title. And then I kind of lost track of how many boob jokes or boob comments were that I had in my notes after that character's introduction. So yeah, this one's just a loser.
2: Teresa, what did you think? I didn't hate it. I liked Daryl as a character. I was just like, this is a little ridiculous. He's good at all for hours what a coincidence there but i you know it's watchable except for the the boob thing they really hammered home huh? and he's like maybe i'll stay in this village because this girl has really nice rack and i was like really it's gonna be that simple um but that's where we are other than that i mean i'm interested to know like how the heck did he end up in the demon army in the first place episode three was my favorite the little demi humans and you know they're cute but I wouldn't say there is anything super original going on in this series, but if you like, you know, standard fantasy adventurer stuff, like go for it.
0: Those little Demi humans or whatever they were, were the best part of that third episode. There were moments where it's just like, Oh, this show is very pro union and pro labor rights and such. And, but it didn't stick with that too much, or it doesn't seem like it's going to be that kind of show. It just, I found it really boring. Farming life in another world is only above Chilling in My 30s, because it, at the very least, does the bare minimum of actually committing to the bit. This guy doesn't want to be a hero. He doesn't want to slay the Demon King or anything like that. He just wants to farm, and that's fine. It's not a very interesting show, but I do like the giant spider, even though (laughs) in real life that giant spider would be horrifying to me. I didn't care for like the harem aspect of the show they pretty much went on that fast extremely fast like
2: Mm -hmm. immediately
0: (laughs) by the third episode it's just like oh here's the angel here's the vampire and then let's just bring all these elf girls in okay that's like seven or eight different new characters that they're pretty much not going to care about they're just background
1: how do they even have the room for everyone by that time
2: Don't question it. They'll find room. <laughs> Don't question his magic tool. Yeah. He can build things super lightning fast, allegedly.
0: The show doesn't even really seem interested about the farming aspect at times. It's just like, I did this. Ta-da! That's it. Like, and I, I like turnips.
2: Here they are.
0: Yeah. I did get a kick out of the slight like jab at fantasy tropes where the guy was just like but elves are supposed to be gentle and innocent and frail and the elves were like i'm sorry what they really gave him a scolding but of course that won't matter anymore but it's just another shizukai, and it's not really interested in the characters i give it kudos for trying to have a slightly more comedic tone like the first time when the vampire girl gets ambushed by the spider and such and just those dogs beat the tar out of her and he's just like, no, 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 wait, wait, wait. <laughs> I am so detached of human contact. I need some contact. Even though we know why the vampire actually looks like that. We know why. It's not a power thing or they try to play it off as a power thing, but it's like, uh-huh, sure, sure, buddy. The fire hunter, biggest disappointment of the season how do you have mamoru oshi adapting these novels into an anime with a pretty solid above average looking visual style that looks like something out of science saru like from a and you fill the void of what should have been a very interesting fantasy politically charged world because of how the humans for some reason now Even looking at fire causes them to catch fire and such. The artificial fire from the monsters that fire hunters have to take down. How do you make that not interesting? Oh, you fill the void with a dense amount of Dialogue. These characters needed to be quiet. I don't care about every little detail. You're not showing us these details. You're telling us. There are points where they're like, okay, so this is why you're here after my 12-page essay. Okay, good. We can get back to it. And here's how I got this catch-up stain. And it's going to take about 30 pages of dialogue to get to that point. And then it's like, oh my God, shut up. And the animation gets Considerably more sloppy, even if it's a design choice, that's action beat from the second episode was really, really rough looking. Just yikes. It looked like someone taking like an icon from an adventure game and just dragging it around the screen.
2: It looked unfinished. Like, we'll come back later and finish it. But we didn't. And it's here. And what do you like, mean we yeah. couldn't
0: finish it? <laughs>
2: I was like, when the first, I don't remember which part it was in the first episode, but then when it was just like freeze frame, I was like, what? What happened? That happened
1: a couple times in, I think, either the second or third episode where they did a bunch of still frames. I'm like, where did the budget go? The old Berserk series from the 90s did that, but
0: there was like an execution to it. There was a reason for it, not counting the minuscule budget and Trying to use that minuscule budget to adapt something as intensely detailed as Berserk. But here, there's no excuse. Something must have happened in production here. Because there's no excuse for the opening and the ending to look as good as they do. And then everything in between those parts looking like garbage at points. There are points where it looks like there was a little rotoscope being used. And at one point, I was just like, I'm losing interest. I don't care about these characters. There's too much dialogue, too much information being put onto the viewers. And then there are just points where it's like, oh yeah, this lady got off the train and she's going to get married. How that marriage goes, we'll never know. or well, it's like, well, maybe we would have known if you didn't take 15 minutes to explain how something works for the third or fifth time. This show drove me up a wall. I thought Onimai was going to be like the worst show I've seen this season, but this is right up there for an entirely different reason. And so many people are being really crummy towards people who do not like this show. Chill out, y'all. It's okay for people to not like the show. Teresa, what did you think?
2: Yeah, this one kind of, I was like, I want to like this, but I'm extremely bored. Like I like the world on paper but even without the freeze frames i'm like this is so slow like what's going on and the juxtaposition of like the first episode with the village and then the guy i'm like well who's this guy and the threads weren't like, i know they're trying to balance it out and i'm sure the threads will come together a lot better but in the very first episode as like a pilot i was like i don't know this is like really top-selling to get me to episode two. And then episode two had more action. Great. I felt sorry for the brides on these like random trains. And there's some action. And I like the dogs, but I was like, there's something missing. And that's why I was saying it feels unfinished. It needs a good editor. And then it also needs like some better action scenes to make it an actual like fantasy. At first I was like, this is giving me kind of, like, uh, you know, the animation can be different. It doesn't have to be, you know, super action, super smooth. And I liked that it was different, but it just veered off to boring. And then I was just like, I'd, I'd rather skip. Sca- There's too much anime. I can't dedicate more time to this, but I wanted to like it.
1: I liked it, like, generally speaking, just from, like, the premise. And I did enjoy the animation style. But this is not one I'd recommend anyone watching when they're too tired To pay attention because the dialogue is very exposition heavy and it's very dense material and they pretty much abuse tell don't show way too often. Given who wrote, who wrote this series, I cannot think of a good excuse why this is very dense and not like we've seen novel adaptations turned into probably great anime before there's no logical explanation why this one had to be not
2: great
0: well i remember to your eternity was based off of a novel and that turned out to be really good
2: i was just saying honestly it should be a helping them if it's based on a novel it shouldn't turn out this way they have everything ready for them
0: it's like i've heard that these books are dense so that doesn't help a lot it's like someone did not tell Oshi that hey this is way too much dialogue. And that's saying something, but more Oshi is notorious for doing a lot of philosophical quandaries and just speeches of morality and it detracts from the characters actually being characters. They're just there To help fill up the world building. I wanted to like this show. This probably had some of the best pedigree. Of any of the shows this season. Especially with someone like Mamoru Oshii. Connected to it. But since Vlad Love was also a disaster from him. I don't know. The Tale of Outcasts. Content warning. There is child abuse in the first episode. The Tales of Outcasts. Doesn't quite have a tone to call itself. There's this obvious dark fantasy. War torn. Backstory of humans and demons living among one another, but it's also intensely silly at points. And it doesn't quite earn either side. It's it's trying hard to be too mature with that first episode, and it's too silly to counterbalance the rather serious tone that a lot of the characters in the world are put into this show. And I also just don't like the design of the lead demon something about that triangular chin side of his face looks really weird that's just me though it also doesn't help that the ancient mage's bride season two is coming out next season and sacrificial princess and the king of beasts is also coming out next season so it doesn't quite help to be coming out around that same uh, period of time but that's just me
1: yeah A show like this that is very tonally dissonant frustrates me a lot more than something like X arm which is like, yeah, it's bad. We know why it's bad. Anyone with eyes can tell you why it's bad. But this is like, you have good ideas in there. They're just not gelling. The first episode, it can be pretty hard to watch because any depictions of child abuse are not fun to watch. But then the second episode gets a little bit too silly to follow up what came before and ultimately tonal issues are the biggest problem with this cuz there's good things that the show has going for it i do kind of like the backstory about the humans versus demons how this almost comes across like like a, a criticism of organized religion especially the church given the setting it's just those tonal issues that make it really hard to follow
0: also why did it have to be a young girl because it seems like they're setting up (laughs) intimacy between the two and it's like no that was already the creepy part of the ancient mage's bride but that show at least wasn't all about
2: that for the most part yeah the tone was way i was like wait this is real dark when i started watching it and i was like that is not what i was gonna expect and then it just kind of goes deeper into showing like her suffering and i was like why are we still talking about this this we get it i get it um theme of like human trafficking or something in the season it keeps oh. popping up
0: yeah no there are a lot of shows it's either boob jokes or human
2: trafficking. And I'm like, (laughs) human trafficking. I was like, we're gonna sell you. And I'm like, what? And that was just like, so devastating. In the first episode, I actually didn't mind the demon design. I thought it was interesting. I like how it switches from like demon to human version. I thought that was cool. And like seeing the other girl with the other demon. I thought that was interesting. I do want to know, like, this demon hierarchy it's kind of intrigued me and like the vibe of like he's kind of given up on life and he's lived forever and this like human girl kind of made him want to stick around i kind of like that idea but i just feel like the tone is so off that i was just like i couldn't even really care in the first episode until the second one but i definitely i'm interested i do want to keep watching we're going to talk about all of them but like her going blind i was like really? Now she's blind? Okay. But I was like, I guess they didn't want to kill her and give her the whole soul, so they've got to maim her somehow. Blindness is just one little easy thing to do. I thought that was kind of I'm not sure why they did that, but I'm rolling with it and ready to see, you know, where it's going. I'm hoping in future episodes they figure out the tone.
0: By the way, is it just me or did this show basically take out all agency of our female lead?
2: Yeah, once they made her blind.
0: yep, She (laughs) is entirely codependent on the demon doing everything.
2: And I was like, jeez, beast.
0: That I mean, <laughs> sucked. Like, oh my god.
2: <laughs> She's like, but I wanted to save you, and now we'll be together forever. And I was yeah. like, I guess you will be. <laughs> no. why, why not
0: just take one If you're going to I know. Uh, t- take one eye or something. Why did that have to be two? Or take like, I don't know, taste buds or something.
2: Uh, who it's knows? Like put her in a wheelchair. I don't know. It's, just,
0: it's like, but no, she is entirely codependent. And that might actually make this show even worse than some of the other ones in this season. But golly, maybe there's just something I'm not seeing. Maybe it's a bad adaptation or something. But I don't know. Sometimes it's just execution of the plot or the source material. I, I don't know. Saving 80,000 gold in another world for my retirement. I give kudos to its premise that she's not entirely stuck in the fantasy world. She can go to and from. And I think there's a really cool hook with this show. I like the idea that she also doesn't want to be the savior or the hero. She just wants to make enough money to retire easily. You know, the most relatable thing to a certain age group right now. (laughs) I think it's more of an execution thing because it seems like it, the second episode takes up a lot of time prepping the whole, how do I use a gun? How do I use knives and such? And how do I open up a bank account? And then we get to the third episode and it goes to her meeting this royal family and then being like the thing that she needed because her, the whole thing is kicked off because her entire family died. And that's sweet, but that kind of goes against the rest of what the show is trying to sell you. That it's this girl being like, ha, ha, ha I'm going to make so much money. Teresa, what did you think?
2: I thought it was pretty entertaining. I was like, this is unexpected. Like after watching Chillin' in My Thieves, I was like, this is actually lighter. This is what I wanted. I thought she was hilarious. She's a schemer. I was looking at the comments on Crunchyroll. They're like, so she's a crime artist. And I was like, yes. And I kind of like it. I do like that she kind of feels, she was like, I'm totally taking advantage of this kingdom, but who cares? I need money. And she's definitely laser focused in what she wants to do. I thought the first episode was pretty cool, kind of introducing with the the lucky cat god and showing that she can go in between worlds. I thought that was a nice twist. I also like how the cat god, he's like, I'll check on you later. Bye. And he just like ran off. And I was like, okay, maybe we'll see him later. I did not expect her to go look up mercenaries. That was (laughs) Interesting to teach her self-defense, but it does come back in episode three with her wielding around knives and talking about martial arts and playing it off. But I was like, okay, but I guess she looks innocent and she wants to be dangerous or something, playing up that angle that she looks younger she actually is. She keeps claiming she's an adult. one wants to believe her. um So I thought that was kind of good running joke there. For an izakai, I liked it. I definitely would watch a couple more. Finally, a female lead, which is great. And you know, it's pretty funny throughout. I was entertained.
0: Yeah, like I mean, I came off harsh, but I did enjoy watching it. And it's just like I think some of the jokes fall really flat, especially when she meets the royal family, and she's just like, "Whoa." that daughter's boobs are huge and it's just like okay can tell like i wrote this female character but yes. god really just seriously and it's just like how is she 13 it's like oh no 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 calling the police no bye no 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 do not do that anime no that's creepy i know the main characters in high school but that's creepy still That is so creepy. That's not endearing. That's not charming. It like we talked about in the group chat saying like, pull up that scene from Aladdin 3 where the whole like, Code Red, Code Red, Code Red. Yeah,
1: definitely the underwear selling. I was like,
0: what? No. no.
1: (laughs) I really enjoyed this one. Episode 3 is like, could be the make or break point for some people, depending on how much they enjoyed the first two episodes, which is like really where they get to actually play around with the premise and i do love our main character mitsuha she just has a very fun personality once she figures out that she has this ability it's just fun to see her like taking full advantage studying everything she needs to know about the various worlds teaching herself self-defense all of that just so she has enough money to retire early which is like we said probably the most relatable goal for any anime protagonist I didn't hate episode three, though. I actually was invested in learning a little bit more about her backstory. I was definitely not expecting that like all three of her, her parents and her brother were gone. And that she was like, completely by herself. But that does kind of color certain scenes we see of the brother in the two previous episodes. As far as like, an isekai that actually tries to do something different. This one, I'd say, is a winner.
0: I just think there are two shows that do it better. Fully commit to doing something better, but we'll get to those when we get to them. Kinda the Great Snow Sea. Is- We've had a couple original anime this season come out, and I really like this one. It's definitely one of those, like, three-episode build to, like, the actual points of, like, You'll, you're will you either there for the ride or not kind of shows. But I think with this cool, basically ice and snow themed Nausicaa of the Valley of the Winds kind of post-apocalyptic world that they've crafted, it's really cool. I love that all these civilizations hang out on these trees or trying to harvest water, which is obviously a commodity and what have you. And it's Polygon pictures, their CGI hasn't fully gotten better or worse, but I like how they handled the CGI in this one more than like some of their other work that they've put out recently. And I think just the world building is fascinating. And they don't try to cram so much into your face and actually let the characters breathe and actually be characters and actually form bonds and relationships and show that like the male lead was basically the only one who could hunt and do things while this group of elders were pretty much they couldn't leave their their homes within the trees. It reminds me of like a much less problematic version of made in abyss if that makes sense because if you've seen that show like you could say it's good but you know there's a lot of woof. this one's
1: great say what you will about polygons cd it's not always perfect but all that aside the world building i thought was really cool this is one of like the few fantasy shows that we've seen that doesn't take place in a vaguely european setting so that's nice and refreshing i like the characters i like their their sense of community with like everyone involved the action was really great and the music especially might be the biggest highlight of the season so far this has a really great ost if you're jonesing for like a very ghibli-esque epic fantasy you should definitely check this one out
2: i thought it was great i thought the animation was amazing for what it was and i just really like the mythology that they're really weaving in the three episodes i really thought that you know the elders kind of passing it down and the like modern tools i thought was really interesting kind of seeing where that was going i definitely liked the imagery of like the sky versus the sea and the two civilizations i thought that was great i thought the two civilizations really kind of going against each other and definitely like the politics of it all was really good i just think that it's kind of like a slow burn series so you have to definitely like commit to it i'm fully in mike said the soundtrack was amazing and i just the opening and the closing like credits were just like so beautiful um and it really sucked me in and i want to watch more
0: yeah i thought the music was great that opening is probably one of my favorites of the season so far. We've got a lot of lo-fi beats this season, especially with like the ice guy and his cool female colleague also being a real banger of a opening theme. For the final show of the fantasy Izekai genre we have the magical revolution of the reincarnated princess and the genius young lady when we were talking about that like i was a king and then i got reincarnated to be a squire from the previous episode this is the show i was building up for to be like the actual good version of that last show and i liked the previous show but i like this one a lot more especially with the fact that our lead character cannot use magic. And they do something that I think was surprising to me. They find a creative alternative to her not having traditional magic powers like everyone there. She doesn't, like, have any kind of, oh, I have magic powers from the world that I grew up in. She has, like, intelligence and smarts to make items that would not be there for, like, a more medieval world. But... They come up with this, like, I forgot what it's called, like magic tech, like magic technology. technology. Yeah, something like that. And I think that's such a creative and fun addition to these characters. And the show looks amazing. It basically was, you know what we need to make Isekais better? We need to take notes from Gundam, the, the witch from Mercury. Characters that actually get to talk and have personalities. And a world where it's lore and politics are not shoved in your face with five paragraphs of dense dialogue. Characters who are like actually listening to what our two leads have to say. And to not be just token characters, except for like our other reoccurring thing of this season. Men with blonde hair, except for Indo and Kobayashi Live, are the worst.
2: <laughs> i was pleasantly surprised i had something about the long titles i'm like oh which way is this gonna go but i thought it was cute especially from the very first scene of her like killing all those gray wolves i was like okay this girl's serious i like that she is like does her thing and she doesn't care what her father thinks she's like sneaking back into the castle you know covered in wolf blood and she just says kind of whatever comes to her mind especially the engagement episode she's like i just want this girl She happens to be beautiful and cute and she's going to be mine. And they're like, wait, what? So I just thought that was hilarious. The way that she's just so matter of fact about everything. I'm not sure I care about the brothers. They're kind of boring and bratty. And I'm like, just, do we need them? So I started thinking about the third episode. But no, I thought it was a great show. I like the magicology, like mythology, that, you know, it's something like untested. So she's, the two leads are super smart and female and bouncing off of each other. And um, who doesn't need more of that? Yes, please.
0: Yeah, just really cool show that does so much that Isekais tend to fumble over and such.
1: This? But- And another show that we'll get to towards the end are basically tied for number one for this season. This is the more serious version of exactly what I want from the isekai moving forward. If this genre is going to go on for, I don't know, 10, 20 plus years, then you got to just keep pushing the envelope. And in this case, what they do is you have our main lead, uh, Princess Anis. Who basically is just a wrecking ball to this kingdom's like conservative ways. The fact that she's an, an out of the closet lesbian and she, she has the memory of both her previous life and whoever she reincarnated into. So she's kind of a genius and I'm just really into everything. I'm into the world building. The magicology, the blossoming romance between the princess and the genius young lady. All of it is really well done.
0: Why are izakai writers not these light novels and these manga and such that are doing all these? We're doing isekai's because it's really popular. It makes a lot of money. Like so many go to the same drawing board instead of just going to the, that other drawing board where they're like good characters, pacing interesting story interesting dynamics good action good animation it's like we've had two this season isekais, and it i think what helps is that this show while obviously an isekai, they're not really hiding that fact but it's never the focus we don't get like that glimpse of like oh i got hit by a truck or i died alone in a hospital room we don't know what happens or you know i fell down the stairs and died somehow <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry, that sounds terrible making fun of that, but it's like, when you watch as many Isekais as we have and as the whole anime community has, it's not when they get transported, it's how. But yeah, very cool show. It's like the same energy I ha- and excitement I had when I watched Gundam The Witch from Mercury from last season. Same. So now we go on to other. This is our category of shows that had genres that did not fit into these other ones even though this whole season has been kind of a hot mess there is an izakai in here but i'm going to die on a hill and say why it's not really an izakai we have sugar apple fairy tale content warning its topics and themes of slavery about a sugar artist who is going through this kingdom and has a warrior fairy that may or may not fall in love with each other. And then we have Ipon Again, which is our one sole sports anime this season, which is really odd. You think we would have at least two or three, which this show focuses on like a coming of age, slice of life, like, collection of girls who join a judo club at their high school and then also sign up to compete in the national we then also have another original anime this season revenger which is being written by renji oki and famous writer gin urobochi who did a ton of stuff just look up his work about a ex-samurai or in this case a ronin who ends up teaming up with a bunch of well specialized hit men or individuals to do the things that the government will not do because some of the bad things that are happening are because of the government and are paid money to like hey take care of this one person or this person that just happened to be connected to the backstory of our main lead or just something that's going on within the world we also have pa works is original anime this season Buddy Daddies, which is about two hitmen who have to take in a, str- a wayward kid who may or may not be the actual daughter of one of the two men. We'll talk about that. And then Campfire Cooking in Another World of My Absurd Skill, which is about a salaryman who accidentally gets isekai'd into a fantasy world, denies all the responsibility of wanting to be the chosen hero, and just wants to cook, make a food stall, and just happens to make friends with a powerful wolf deity. This might be the most consistent batch of shows I have had in one category. Because it seems like it's always going to be like uneven at best or completely sloppy at worst. And here it's like, I don't think I would call any of these shows bad. At least... Sugar Apple Fairy Tale would be the one that has to be the most careful with how it approaches its subject matter because it is a show. It's another fantasy show. Which stop with the whole slavery angle. Fantasy shows we've had this like so many times over these two decades or so, and it's not handled well at all. But here it leans into the uncomfortable aspect of the dynamic of our two lead. She's trying to come off like, but I'm a good person. I'm going to free you after all this is done. And the fairy that is connected to her, it's like, yeah, just because you consider yourself a good person doesn't mean you still didn't just buy me as a slave. It's interesting because you look at this, the title again, Sugar Apple Fairy Tale. This sounds like a Strawberry Shortcake spinoff. It's a show that's intensely interested in focusing on character dynamics and how humans treat fairies and how fairies look at humans and such. It's really compelling. I was assuming this was going to be a, pun intended, cloyingly sweet show. It could have easily been that, but instead it's more of a dark fantasy show. Than like the dark fantasy shows of this season yeah
2: definitely by the title i was like wait what's going on they're pulling off fairy wings and torturing them that's not what i thought was gonna happen especially with the opening scene with the mom i know she kind of hints at it but she's like we make beautiful like sugar candy and always be nice to fairies and i then it just totally switches and i was like what the heck is going on in this world my favorite character is the warrior fairy the lead girl she did come around to me she's a little whiny but she is an orphan right now so like i get it she wants to live up to her mom's like skill that guy jonas sucks a lot and he's very obnoxious from the first time we see him basically saying don't leave marry me so i can control you and i was like what that guy and she leaves him and i was like good this girl's great she wants to go for her you know dreams and then he follows her like a stalker like what's with that and it only gets worse from there but you need an antagonist and i get it i like seeing the different kind of fairies i thought that was really interesting it reminded me of fairy gone which i watched hulu it's like four years old now so i like fairy stories and kind of using fairies and kind of war and things like that as cameron said it explores the you're owning something that's alive you need to like be honest with yourself about it she's a little silly but refusing to get orders even if she's gonna die i thought that was a little ridiculous in episode three but emotionally For her character, it makes sense. So yeah, I thought it was really cute. The animation was excellent. And it has very good plotting, which I did not expect. Yeah,
0: it's really interesting how this show could have just been super sweet, but it's actually treating its audience with more respect than most (laughs) adult-oriented films and shows. And it's, again, a show called Sugar Apple Fairy Tale. I'm not going to get over that. And the animation is great and jc staff obviously had either a good production pipeline or good resources because it looks really lovely and that's kind of needed especially when like making those little sugar sculpture things Mm -hmm. are like a big piece of it and all that jazz but yeah jonas is the worst and no we're not talking about the jonas brothers jonas the quote-unquote nice guy tm is the (laughs) worst (laughs) (laughs)
1: like you two when I saw the title sugar apple fairy tale and I thought this was going to be something a lot sweeter but you know what they say you shouldn't judge a book by its cover that applies to both the title and pretty much a major theme in this show because this really gets into the weeds of like the various relationships between humans and fairies how there's like even different kinds of fairies too like you have companion fairies You have, like, your servants, and then you have the warrior fairies, which is the one that Anne happened to purchase, and all of that is just really interesting. The action is really, is great. The animation in general is gorgeous. Yeah, this is just another one where I'm, I don't really have any major complaints, except for Jonas. Jonas is the worst. Did y'all see that horror film that was
0: on Hulu called Fresh? Bastion Stan and such, like... If you've seen that opening sequence of like the lead I'm sorry I forgot her name having a terrible time on a date and then the simple reaction that the guy gives her after she says like yeah I think we're not going to see each other again that's Jonas in a nutshell
1: <laughs> I seriously thought like the most we would see him is in episode 1 but then he comes back in episode 2 and something I wrote in the chat is like every time I think he gets better he gets like three times worse.
0: It's like, I love you. I don't. Well, I'm going to let you die. Bye.
2: Oh, Lord. So Turning into a villain, man.
0: I mean, at least the show is very aware that he is like the worst. They're not trying to be like, oh, he's just being silly. It's like, no, that's an extremely toxic male mentality that he has going on with him. Like, Lordy. And then with Ipon again, it's low key and it definitely is just kind of these girls finding their drive to do this very physical sport. As someone who's taken like a lot of martial arts, judo is, I would argue, the chess of the martial arts world because it's all about strategy. I mean, it's all about strategy, but more so here than most like martial arts and such and sports things because it's all about will this person do this or that? And I'm going to counter it with this or that. But it's really cute. And I like that the designs are not typical anime girl vibes. They Didn't try to go the Kyo Annie route of making all the girls super traditional anime cute. No, it's like judo is a very physical sport. And while it does seem at times the focus of the show is actually like, oh, the actual lead, is not the actual lead, if that makes sense. They put a lot of focus on the second episode on the one who was just, like, really nervous about joining the club. And then they got better by the third episode when they're all like, okay, we're going to train for the Nationals. And despite a few clunky moments in animation, I thought this was a pretty good-looking show. It feels like a Annie show, but, like, the light version of that.
2: Yeah, I thought it was cute. I liked how, although I don't know anything about judo or the sport, it didn't go into the, like, diagrams and, like, explaining what the sport was. It's all character-driven. And it's really about, like, these girls kind of going from middle school to high school and trying to figure out who they are and i thought that was like the focus like yes it's a sports anime sort of but it's not just like let's watch them have meats like every single episode i really like the dynamics i appreciated the second episode kind of going behind the scenes of the other character of like how do they all find themselves there How they all become friends. I love the weird girl who got hurt, you know, at the very first meet scene. I liked how they all kind of came together. And I just thought it was a really sweet show. I thought the animation was pretty good and definitely would watch more.
1: This kind of took me back to my Taekwondo days. I used to do uh, Taekwondo back when I was younger. I even got my black belt. It was kind of fun watching this show that, like you guys said, was very character focused. I like the interaction between this trio. I like how... This might be one of the first, like, sports anime that's, like, focused on martial arts, where usually when you see martial arts in anime, it's more just, like, the generic battle anime, like, stuff like Dragon Ball, obviously, or Fist of the North Star. This takes a more kind of indie rock approach, and... I thought that was really cool. I wish there wasn't so much Yuri baiting, especially if they're not going to take that anywhere. Either do it or don't. But don't, like, tease the audience. Other than that, I enjoyed this one.
0: I like a lot of the characters here. The adults are pretty interesting. I love the parents of the one character with the glasses, where the father's just like, do you know where the stamp is? So we can officially confirm that that piece of paper and such. I Like, I'm definitely very curious. I think it's maybe high dives best anime on top of Indo and kobayashi live they're stepping up their game yeah yeah there they really are. are i mean granted this is the same season where they're like oh yeah we're gonna bring over that really horny anime nobody wanted to bring over from last season but you know high dive's gonna high dive their way of distributing anime for revenger it was just really cool to have a samurai action revenge thriller show and how it does go about how yes our main character killed the lord of of the castle and the father of was supposed to be wife but they paint the world in a more morally gray palette of its politics and the drive that our characters have and such but it's also extremely over the top in its action that doctor with the bow and arrow like that's not a bow and arrow that's a cannon sized shotgun (laughs) that second episode where he's on the rooftops like miles away and takes down the boat and the giant armored guard that was on the boat protecting their targets it's just like There was like a split second of, wait, do you hear something before that arrow came crashing down on that boat? It is so over the top, but it finds a balance of how it portrays its characters and the action and the story. It definitely like passes that three episode rule of do I want to watch more? Yes, I do.
2: I thought it was excellent. I think it's my number one for this season. It just, the animation is top notch. I thought the Hulk, you know, the way we meet the character in the opening scene, it's bloody, but not too bloody. I thought it's good. And also the whole, you know, every cast of characters in this kind of revenge crew, I want to know more about every single episode. It's just like they're leaving little breadcrumbs. And I just thought it was so interesting that they're getting their, I don't know, jobs or assignments from a priest or a pastor in the church. I thought like all of that kind of like language that they use to assign and Talk about how you're not supposed to get out of line. I just thought it was so cleverly done, especially in the dub. I was like starting to think, I was like, wow, they really thought about this. So I just thought that was just amazing. And I kind of like, you know, I don't think there's going to be a happy ending for the main guy, but we, I want to see his journey. I want to see where that goes. And they kind of say that at the end of episode three of like, he wants to change, you know, he doesn't want to be all about death and that's worth something. And it's definitely worth watching. Definitely the end of episode one is tough. I was like, whoa, this is heavy. But I feel like episode two with kind of the opium lady and that kind of like case within the episode really kind of helped shift kind of where the show is going. And then episode three kind of brings in the politics of the world and everything. And I just was thoroughly hooked. I love it. And I want to watch more.
1: So this is not my number one, but I don't think there's any other anime that's like specifically made for my tastes. Like I'm a big sucker for period pieces and action thrillers and like the premise behind this group of, they call themselves the like revengers, reminds me a lot of, I don't know if anyone saw Akami Got Kill. Basically the idea is they're mercenaries, but they're basically selling revenge to people through these like gold coins that they bite into. And like the deeper the bite, the more they desire that revenge. And I think that's a pretty cool idea. The first episode is very centered on our main Ronin who killed his, his father-in-law under, as we learn, very false pretenses. And there's a lot of drama surrounding that. But like Cameron said, this has some over the top action. It's really well done. The animation is great. The world building in like the later episodes is really fascinating and I really like the mystery surrounding UN, who's like the leader of the Revengers. We don't really know what his deal is, but I'm very, very curious to learn more as this series progresses. Well, it's
0: interesting because he has like the Virgin Mary on his back. And it's like, okay, and the clientele that he caters towards is obviously like, very European religious in tone. And yet the way he kills people, don't get me wrong. It's a creative way to kill people with like a thing of gold leaf. Because I'm sure that would suck as it just like clamps onto your face and suffocates you. But it's basically a deadlier version of those memes or gifts that you see of like a baby crying or a cat standing there. And someone just throws a slice of cheese at it. Anyway, Buddy Daddies, probably one of the more like, I'm not going to say it's controversial. It's just like a lot of people probably went into this show thinking it was going to be a Spy X family clone. It's an original show, so it has no manga to pull from. So this isn't a case like how after Fist of the North Star happened, there were like various other shows or like Baki and such, where they had a lot of shows that were very similar. Here, there's a different enough dynamic and a backstory for everyone. It differentiates itself enough by a very wide margin that the comparison falls flat, at least to me. I do get a huge kick out of that first episode where they're taking down that jewel smuggler. And one of the guys gets a call from, like, I guess, yeah, the daycare center or, like, the school that the little kid is in. And they're like, can you take your daughter home? She has a cold. And he's like, oh, yeah, sure, we'll be down there shortly. And he looks over at his friend. It's like, I thought you said she looked fine when you dropped her off at school today. And the guy's like, huh, she was having a runny nose, though. And they started bickering like an actual couple would. And then the jewel smuggler's like, hey, maybe I don't need to be here while y'all work this out. And then he just gets shot and then they just go pick up the girl. And the little girl is adorable. She's like the first adorable anime kid that has a lot more going on to her backstory than I think people were assuming. Because I saw a lot of people say like, golly, she is annoying. And I'm not saying that the backstory justifies all that, but there's... Something at play with her naivete and innocence when she's with our two killers.
2: I thought it was adorable. I love their banter and their bickering. I thought they were great foils to each other and really like... The one guy is just really into like cooking and kind of being the homemaker and the other guy is very like slacker, kind of just let me do my job and then let me sleep. And I just like how they both kind of come together around this adorable little girl. I like that they both have baggage and it kind of, you're peeling the onions of those layers through the episode. So it's not all completely cutesy. I mean, they are assassins something had happened for them to get into that line of work. So I really like how that's kind of slowly being revealed over the episodes. I also just like how like the girl is kind of seen it all and you know gone through things she didn't have the best mom but she kind of brings a lightness of just being in the moment and being present and i think that both those characters need that so i just thought it was wonderful and i thought the animation was really good it mixes the humor and the kind of darkness in the right way i think that it doesn't have the tone problem that a tale of outcast has it could have gone horribly wrong, but I think they did a pretty good job.
0: The action is quite good. I mean, granted, this is PA Works, and their show last season was Akiba Maid War's show, so if you're down for good John Wick-style gunplay, it's here, but with a more comedic edge. I love that second episode where they're trying to take down that one guy, and the daughter happens to be inside the house at the same time, and they get saved by the more cold and calculated of the two hitmen. And it ends with the the blonde one picking him up while he's still headshotting all the bad guys. Like, it's really funny, and the expressions on the girl are great. I'm sure they're doing it for the internet meme stuff because you could use a lot of these reaction images from all these characters. And... Yeah, it finds a way to balance the tone of everything.
1: I never thought I needed to see Big Daddy meets Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, but that's exactly how I would describe the show. I love the dynamic between Kazuki and Ray. Kazuki is the more bubbly, upbeat assassin, while Ray is like the very deadpan man of few words, just wants to do his job and just slack off at home. Which makes them the perfect parents for a four year old who they just happen to stumble upon on one of their missions. Everything about this is just really well done. And it's just a great example of those like found family stories where clearly this child is going to spark some sort of change for both these characters for the better. I really like how by the end of episode three, we actually get to see them start to become like a real family. That's very satisfying for both the girl. Once we learn a little bit more about her mother and why she is on her own. And then we learn more about Ray's background and why he is kind of a stick in the mud. This is Definitely a hit. I can see why people are either enjoying this one or or would potentially enjoy it. Again, it's PA
0: Works, and I feel like I'm starting to come around to them being maybe my favorite studio in animation, like at least in the anime industry, because they find these ideas that sound really abstract and weird and then make them work. And they usually do mostly original work, and that's so tough to do but just like our trio of two hitmen and a kid they make it work i love that scene when they come back from getting some details and information of like the mother and their soon to be like next target and they show actual like worry and concern for like where's the kid where's the kid and of course miri the kid is just like you guys have to find me first and they're just like oh my god (laughs) just like about to have like a blood vessel pop in their head or something like that and the slow build of reveals and mystery like i want to know who that assassin was who took over the job in the second episode because it feels like we are going to find out who he is i think he's connected to ray at least from what the backstory we've seen of ray for now listen i get ray man all i want to do sometimes is just get back from work and play video games (laughs) And I think they have, like, a PlayStation 5. (laughs) I think so. I should know. I have a PlayStation 5. And I want to know about everyone else. If a show can keep you wanting to go past the three-episode mark, it's doing its job well. It might not fully hit its stride all the way through, but it's at a point to where I'm like, yes, I want to finish this show.
1: Whenever I say in our group chat, like, I want to keep going, but I can't, that's when you know, like, Oh, this is a good
0: one. I'm feeling that right now with our last anime of this season, Campfire Cooking in Another World with My Absurd Skill. Is he, like, the smartest main character in all of Isekai worlds and such? Because our lead, when he is like, oh, whoops, I got transported here. And when he's hearing the spiel of, like, the king going like, go out on your adventure, brave heroes, and destroy the demon king. And... The first thing he thinks is not, I'm going to save the day. It's, hey, listen, we just got here. We have no idea if this is actually what is actually happening. Who knows? This king could be sending us on a mission and he could be the actual demon king and such. He actually questioned the patriarchy and just says like, you know what? I'm fine. Y'all can go and die and whatever, fighting demons. I'm going to go chill. I don't consider it an Isekai because it's not really focused on the power fantasy aspects of it. And it, yes, he was from another world. He got transported to this fantasy world. But his main powers are not, I'm stronger than God. His power is, I have Sugoi Mart, Amazon, or whatever at my beck and call, and I can order food items from my world to hear which also begs the question how good the food was in this fantasy world where everyone's like i've never eaten anything like this does salt not exist in this world does nobody flavor their food i just found that part so funny because then you find out that like in the third episode salt and ground pepper go for like an immense amount of money. It makes you think about the world in a fun way, which is reverse of like other fantasy shows where it's like, well, wait a minute. That doesn't quite make a lot of sense. The show just keeps to its premise. He cooks using food items and stoves from his world and makes amazing food enough to tame a powerful wolf god. The wolf god so far has done mostly all the fighting and such, but he's not doing it because like you are the chosen one. You are my equal. It's just like, hey, that steak you made was really good. I'm going to make a contract with you so you can make that steak again for me. That was yummy. And it keeps through that tone throughout the whole show. And I love that. It's probably MAPPA's most lightweight show that they've ever crafted. And I'm sure there's going to be moments where they make a more serious turn in terms of tone and story. But at the same time, by episode three, I was like, into episode four, I found this show very compelling just because it's not trying to be more than what it is.
2: It took me a, like, probably until, you know, we learn a lot about Fenrir and, like, that whole part where I was like, I kind of like this show. I like that he didn't immediately know what his power was, and then when he kind of figured out, like, oh... I just shop like I normally do, but I got to be secretive about it. I thought that was a really nice way in to the world and understanding that they absolutely don't have salt and pepper anywhere, which I thought was funny. But I just think it's like a simple premise done really well. And when you do it really well, it can be really entertaining. And I just love how the wolf has to eat everything and he can hunt so well and you know becoming as familiar he didn't really want to but in the end they're almost, it's almost like a buddy cop show but it's like the familiar and the main character and i just thought all the food animation is excellent and really one of definitely one of my favorites from this season i just it made me very hungry which is it's so fair warning If you watch it, make sure you have a good meal before. And definitely we're kind of, he's crossing the border. He's going deeper into the world and we're seeing it kind of through his eyes. So I thought that was good. It's not too heavy on the politics or like, I mean, he is going to register as a merchant and an adventurer, but it's really just so he can cook more food. And I thought that was really simple and interesting.
0: By the way, the Adventurer Guild receptionist, the most realistic (laughs)
2: <laughs> employee
0: of any of these fantasy guild locations uh, oh god i really don't want to be here i'd rather be anywhere else than here and then it's like oh look another adventure yeah just fill out the card like you know she does that like 500 times a day and it's just there's nothing interesting about it except for like she gets excited when she sees the giant wolf because it's like who doesn't get excited about an adorable or cute looking dog it's impossible this is food porn it just it looks amazing. All of the sakuga that you would see in something like Chainsaw Man or Jujutsu Kaisen or other action based shows from MAPPA will put into it all the intricate details of the meat, the cooking, and yeah. Even at like twelve o'clock last night when I was watching this, I was like, I really shouldn't eat something before going
1: to bed, but I really want to eat something. <laughs> Well, first of all, yeah, talking about this show is even starting to make me hungry, but you know how we started this podcast talking about a show that absolutely abandoned its premise within the first 15 minutes? This is like the complete opposite, where not only does it fully live up to its premise, but it actually kind of leans further in as these first couple episodes progress. Like, the first episode, our main character has to kind of, like, get a lay of the land and what exactly his abilities let him do. But then once he's like, oh, wait, wait a minute, this just looks like a regular website. Then from there, it's just off to the races. I'm as surprised as anyone that it's taken Mappa this long to throw their hat into the Isekai ring. And while this is only really an Isekai by way of the catalyst for getting our main character in this world. The rest of the show is, like you said, not a power fantasy, but it is food porn. And you can tell that's where a lot of the energy went in making every single meal look just... Food has not looked better on an anime television budget. Everything from the simplest meals to that one pasta dish that he makes with the meat sauce, that one had me drooling.
0: Golly, I like that our wolf... He basically almost causes mass extinction because of his hunger. And everyone's just like, okay, this is a lot of food and a lot of monsters to break down and give for your meat and such. It's going to take a day. (laughs) It's so silly. And I love that. And I'm curious to see how the show continues when we're introduced to what are obviously like the goddesses of this world and such. And dynamic between our two leads is very fun yeah i like their our main character even though he is part of the merchant and adventure guild he's never like man i want to fight the demon lord maybe and it's like no he's not he just wants to open a food stall and then a restaurant and what have you and and by the fourth episode there is a moment where you think oh no it's going to turn into a power fantasy show because he found out that he could use magic but he's not very good at it he can shoot fireballs but he basically doesn't know how to like control his use of magic and it's just the best even finry is just like hey that was pretty good i mean you're not great at it but there's this moment where our lead is like okay i'm gonna shoot a fireball and nothing happens, and Fenrir is just like, what the hell are you doing? It's like, I thought if I could just say it, it happens. It's like, no, magic doesn't work like that. And just how Fenrir gets so excited when he sees a new recipe or meat, like that opening is so accurate that it's like, here's this giant wolf that would pretty much kill anyone in his way, just for the sake of it, get turned into like the most excited puppy That's about to go on a walk or in a car drive or something like that, or getting food and what have you. And I want to see what the slime character is. I haven't gotten to that point in the show yet. And even like the human characters are really funny. Like that moment in episode two, where that one guy's like, please, our Lord would like to talk with you. No, I don't really want to, but he insists. No, I'm fine. No, but come on now. Or like the guy who buys the salt and pepper and how our hero is just like, yeah, I got this stuff from online because this brand is really good, but I can't tell them that. And the excitement that that guy gets, it's just like, okay, 15 gold. No, 16, 17, but I can't do anymore. This is why I like anime. This show represents why I like and how good of it it can be. That wraps up our look at the new anime, Winter 2023. I think overall, we did balance out the good and the bad terribly because a lot of the good stuff was here in this episode i think a common trend that happened this season besides some of the weird story plot points that kept coming up and like all the boob jokes i think the anime season is starting to slowly actually crumble because on top of that whole incident of netflix and wit studios making a short that got assistance from an ai that did the backgrounds there's just a shortage of people people don't want to work and it's like people don't want to work in the anime industry because it pays badly and y'all force a ton of work onto these people mapa can open another studio to to hire 500 animators but that's still not going to change much if they don't lighten their workload. Same with all these other studios. Like, so many shows got delayed by either, like, a few days or a week or indefinitely because of the pandemic. And the fact that they are now showing signs of struggling, like, to get people to animate is not a good sign of the health of the industry. Even some shows that were supposed to appear in the spring season got pushed to the summer season because of it as much as i love a lot of these shows i would have been fine if like half of them weren't adapted at this point in time they have to pay their people better and lighten the workload even though the demand for anime is big but could you imagine if like any other entertainment or animation industry did what anime did There would be No one left. There would be lawsuits out the wazoo of like bad working conditions. And there's already like the open secret that the anime industry, unless you're like a few specific studios, have really bad working conditions. I don't know. It does seem like everyone is starting to notice
1: that something is up with the industry. We're at that point now where if something doesn't change, we could be seeing the end of the industry in like single digit years.
2: This is a constant problem. I think it's not just anime. I think the street mirrors are having the problem. They're canceling stuff saying, oh, no one watched, but they're not giving anyone a chance to actually watch it. And then saying they don't have enough money to do all the shows they want to do because they're just not planning it out. And I know it's based on money because the more shows you have, the more potential for revenue. But then you end up not paying anyone any money to make that happen. And we're seeing the result of, you know, shows getting pushed and yes, COVID kind of kicked it off. I feel like COVID kind of just made it more obvious how badly they were probably paying everyone. Cause when they finally stopped and looked around, they were like, Oh shit. So I think that's part of it. I also think, you know, we're probably feeling a lot of growing pains, at least on our side with, especially with the whole dubbing thing. I don't even want to get into that. There's only basically, two networks and that's always going to make things kind of crazy so we just have to wait and see
0: i still want to support the industry but it's also hard i want to support the industry by watching these shows but i also want the industry to start freaking paying its people what they're owed and what they're due what they're worth but it's tough because i can't do anything about that on an individual level what we need to happen is of course unions and Either a lawsuit that scares the industry into being better or cripples the industry so we can build it back up to actual good working conditions and stuff where we need to do better. So hopefully this doesn't continue on through this year where everything crumbles so hard, but the industry only has itself to blame if it crumbles to the ground. Not the animators, writers, and composers, the people who actually work on the shows, but like the
1: committees and the higher ups and such it's the people at up top that are pretty much solely responsible for the inevitable collapse of the industry but to go back to a
0: more positive topic what were y'all's top five for this season because in general i thought this was a pretty solid season we definitely saved a lot of the good ones for the second part but like i would say my favorites were oh and then there was revenger god okay you know what let's just do six for me Revenger, Buddy Daddy's Campfire Cooking, Endo and Kobayashi Live, The Magical Revolution of the Reincarnated Princess and the Genius Young Lady, Honorable Mentions Go-To, Giant Beasts of Ours, Tomo-Chan is a Girl, and Trigon Stampede.
1: Uh, Mike, what about you? Man, this is going to be tough. Number five is probably going to be Endo and Kobayashi. Number four, Trigon Stampede. Number three is Revenger. And the tie for number one is The Magical Revolution of and The Genius Young Lady, and Campfire Cooking in Another World. Uh, This was, oh, and honorable mentions are Buddy Daddies, um, Sugar Apple Fairy Tale. This episode had a lot of the good ones. It's really hard to narrow it down to five.
2: In no particular order, I would say Kind of the Great Snow Sea, Revenger, Trigon Stampede, Tomo Chan as a Girl, and Buddy Daddies and honorable mention for campfire cooking in another world and giant beast of ours because i thought those were great
0: yeah it's just a lot of good shows are still getting made they just need to actually have the time to stay good (laughs) Uh, but yeah that's it for this episode y'all next time we'll be talking about well more animation and we'll all come back when the spring season starts
1: Oh, man, the spring season better not be overstuffed. <laughs> Agreed. So until next time, Teresa, where can everyone find you online?
2: You can find me on most social channels at Teresa Electro.
1: And Cameron, where can everyone find
0: you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Cam's Eye View. I have a website called Biz, where I review animated films and shows from around the world called The Other Side of Animation.
1: And I have a Patreon at patreon.com slash camsiview. That's where you can find me. And you guys can find me on Twitter at CaptainK42. You can check out my Quick Thoughts on letterbox.com slash CoachK42. And you can follow Renegade Pop Culture on Facebook and Twitter at RenPopCulture. You can also find us on YouTube, on Pie Chaser, on the Banana Meter. Listen to all of our podcasts on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, etc. And last but not least, everything can be found at RenegadePopCulture.com. In Escape, so do we. That'll do it for this episode of Renegade Animation. We will catch you guys later. Peace out.